what it highlights is that coaching people for better health is a really great way of caring for people rather than creating a dependence on them to come back and see us again and again. Welcome to the first ever episode of the Empowered Beyond Pain podcast, proudly brought to you by Bodylogic Physiotherapy. I'm Kevin Wernley, a physiotherapist and PhD researcher, and I'm joined by world-leading physiotherapy specialists and clinical researchers, Professor Peter O'Sullivan and Dr. JP Kinero as co-hosts. We're based in Perth, Western Australia, and through this weekly podcast, we aim to make sense of science and bring evidence to your eardrums to empower you to better health and empower clinicians to provide the best care for people in pain. We aim to pack each episode full of practical tips and insights to help increase your understanding and shift your behaviours to nudge you down the road to growth. We're so grateful and absolutely thrilled to have you here. In this inaugural episode of Season 1, we chat, from a distance of course, during the coronavirus pandemic, with Professor Peter O'Sullivan from Curtin University and Bodylogic Physiotherapy. The conversation is mainly related to frequently asked questions about telehealth, also known as online video consultations, and we talk about things like how online physio helps without putting hands on people, avoiding unnecessary surgery, as well as the mechanisms behind how people improve and get out of pain. After the conversation, I summarise my take-home messages and we introduce the To Try Today segment, which is designed to help you turn information into action. This conversation was also recorded a few weeks ago and things may have changed by the time you're listening to this, so keep an eye on the website to stay up to date. We hope you enjoy the conversation and remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage? So, Pete, with, uh, with the whole coronavirus pandemic happening, um, lots of practices are moving towards telehealth rehabilitation. And there's been some interesting research, uh, for example, systematic review that showed that telehealth was as effective as face-to-face consultations for the management of musculoskeletal pain and, and injuries. Yeah. Um, can you kind of talk to how people get better or, or how telehealth was proven to be just as effective as your in-person face-to-face consultations? Yeah, it's interesting, um, and it doesn't come as a great surprise to me, Kev, because I think what we're learning more and more about musculoskeletal pain is um, the things that are really important around pain are for people to have a clear understanding of what's going on for them. That's around educating them, but also to learn tools to get back in control of their pain and to, to regain function. Um, and so these are the traditional tools of like hands-on, pushing and um, massage or uh, manipulation um, or needling of the body. The things around um, developing a, an understanding and building confidence um, and having s- strategies of getting back to function again. And these are things that we can do just in this format and the way we're doing it now. And the beauty of... Um, uh, video consulting particularly is that we can easily demonstrate to people so I can get up and uh, demonstrate movement uh, and set a program up but I can also look at how you're doing it so it's got this capacity to both communicate and to watch and to modify behavior and set up a program uh, that is what we would do in a normal uh, consultation um, and the, the the disconnect in terms of you being face-to-face with me putting on my hands on you are not the key things that influence whether a person gets better or not. That's much more around, do you understand what's going on? Have you got a clear plan? Have you got strategies that you can implement 
to, to make changes to get you back to living again. And there are things you can do easily through telehealth. Australian government deems physiotherapy as an essential service, but you and the directors at Bodylogic Physio have decided to only have online consultations. So can you tell me about that decision? Yeah, and look, I think it's wonderful the Australian government sees physiotherapy as essential because we have such an important role in the community in terms of um, helping people manage pain, but also other aspects of physiotherapy in terms of pelvic health, neurological and cardiorespiratory as well. Um, obviously, our area is musculoskeletal pain, which probably represents the, the bulk of physiotherapists in the private sector. Um, we took a view um, that we had a, a, a social responsibility to care for our patients the best way we could. And to us, that was a, a there was a growing risk that we ourselves, uh, as well as people coming into our um, practice, could be carriers of coronavirus without our, even our knowledge. Uh, and because of that, and we were seeing more and more highly anxious patients coming in, looking at us as if we could be carriers, that we felt it was actually untenable to provide a high level of care. Uh, and with, with a view that we could keep our, ensure that we were keeping our clients safe. So we decided uh, last week that we would move to telehealth. And the reason for that is essential, essentially the fact that we felt we could deliver the same high levels of care through a, a safe environment that was safe for the patient, safe for us, and providing the care that they needed in the comfort of their home. Um, so it wasn't a hard decision in that sense because we felt like that was the best way we could care both for our community as well as um, our staff here at the practice. You know, if you ask the general population what physiotherapy is, I, I feel like the general consensus would be, you know, physios um, obviously assess and treat pain and injuries um, and that provides some sort of hands-on treatment, um, some massage, some manipulations, maybe some dry needling. Yep. Uh, but it sounds like, you know, physiotherapy, uh, at least with body logic, has kind of changed a little bit. So can you kind of contrast, um, I, I suppose, that, that uh, existing model of physiotherapy and, and perhaps what, what modern physiotherapy kind of looks like? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think probably one of the things that frustrates me most is at, if I'm with a group of people and they go, so what do you do for a job? And I say I'm a physio. They go, oh, can you give them a neck a rub? drives me crazy because I think there is that perception out in the community that physiotherapists provide palliative care. They provide short-term pain relief because I've got a sore this or a sore that. Um, we're actually, you know, we've evolved a lot. I think certainly in our research, I, often practice takes a bit longer to change, but um, certainly the research work that we've been involved in highlights that um, uh, hands-on therapies, while they can provide pain relief in the short term, they tend to be purely that. It's short-term pain relief. Uh, what we're really interested in is um, uh, providing a level of care or a certain type of care that actually empowers the person to self-manage their problem and actually reduce the reliance on us uh, to provide care to them. So in a sense, we're working as hard as we can to, to get people not to rely on our care which may seem like a, a very bad business model, but it's actually a wonderful health model uh, because it puts people in charge of their health. It gives them confidence. It gives them the tools to actually um, manage flare-ups if they get a pain flare-up. It gives them 
confidence to engage with movement and activity and to go to work, even if they may have some pain uh, because they not, know they're not doing harm to themselves. And it also um, equips them when they can't contact us, that they have tools in their toolkit to actually um, cope with their pain in a better way. So I think, you know, we kind of see these different ways of looking at physiotherapy. The idea that um, physiotherapy is about hands-on therapy and providing short-term pain relief. We know from all the guidelines that it's an option. It's, it's not the care package, it's an option. You can add that into your care package, but it isn't the care package. And actually the care package is giving people a clear understanding of their pain, making sure that you're identifying anything serious so you can refer them through to the doctor, giving them strategies to manage their problem that often involves exercise, it may involve relaxation, it involves getting them back to living again and addressing other lifestyle factors um, such as sleep, managing stress, regular physical activity, caring for how you eat, those kinds of things that we know are very important in terms of your general health, both mental and physical. And I think we're dealing with a population at the moment who's really fearful. Um, they, they're under enormous stress. Uh, often they're located to homes and I really feel for people in our community who maybe have health, underlying health issues or uh, are in the older age group who are feeling quite isolated in their homes. To us, telehealth is an amazing opportunity to support those people in our community. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the sounds of it, not just our local community, but you know, wider than that across the country, across the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you sort of mentioned it being a bad business model, but I know, you know, from my perspective is if I went to someone and they helped me get better and kind of taught me how I can better get better and stay better, you know, I'd probably tell everyone about it. Or if someone asked me, you know, I've, I've got a with pain, I'd kind of share that news as well. Uh, that's tongue in cheek, the bad business model, because actually good care of human beings is a wonderful business model. And the best care you can give someone is the best way that you can have people coming back to see you. Not the same people, but the friends and the family and the, you know, the people in the neighbourhood. Uh, that's the best model of care. So what sort of advice would you give to, you know, people in the community that are a bit stuck at the moment and are dealing with, with yeah. you know, uncertain circumstances? What sort of yeah. advice would you give them? Yeah, look, look I've, had, um, I've had my day-to-day -day of doing telehealth compensations. I've had people of all ages, actually. I've had a, a young, young chap. I've had a number of older people. Um, all of them, I think, would be feeling uh, a, a bit, you know, uncertain. Uh, I had people who can't go to the gym anymore, so they're having to reframe what exercise looks for them because that's been their mode of exercise. So we've had opportunities to discuss what other kinds of exercise they can do, build up a program for them. Um, uh, that they can do it, that kind of it's good for their health. Um, I've had another chap who's had a, 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 a pain exacerbation, uh, and so I've been able to give him simple strategies in his home around managing, uh, of, of reactivating, relaxing his body, getting moving again, building his confidence so he can get back into activity. I have other people who are over 70 who are really constricted to their homes. Uh, when I've been able to build up an exercise program for them that they can do in their living room that both addresses issues around their mobility and their strength, their balance, as well as their fitness. So, you know, we can be really creative around what we do with almost no 
um, equipment at all, uh, just using body weight and a chair and, and, and using imagination, using music, you know, dance. There's so many ways in which you can um, uh, build um, movement back into people's lives in a creative way that is linked to their goals and the things they love, um, uh, but also is good for their health. Yeah, great. Awesome. And so if people, you know, wanted to, to find out more or set up a consultation with someone like yourself or, or, or anyone else, what, what should they do? Um, it's a great question, Kevin. I think probably the, the thing I would ask first is what can you, what care can you provide me through telehealth? And I think that taps into fundamentally what people's under, how people understand pain. So if, if you're hearing that someone's saying, look, we can listen to your story and, and um, we, can, we can assess you. Uh, we can um, set up, we can map out a plan for you, link to your goals. Uh, we can build strategies to get you back in control of your life and doing the stuff you love um, and building confidence and give you um, resources that can help you understand how pain works better. Then that's probably the consultation you want to go for. Um, if you're going for a consultation and the, the angle is more, well, we can teach you how to self-massage and self-needle, you know, providing your own massive therapies, to me that doesn't align so well with the evidence. So I'd be asking some questions first before you set up that consultation around what that might look for me and what, what that model of care would look like because I think that's the fundamental question. The way you deliver it, something else. The, way, the, the content of the delivery is the key. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk to the public about um, telehealth or what's yeah, happening? Or? Yeah, I think, there's, I think we've had so much change in our community um, uh, within a very short period of time. We've been talking about doing telehealth for years now, but we really haven't had the time to do it. We've been forced to do it. Um, so that's something that we've done literally what was going to be a two-year plan we've done in a week <laughs> so I think what a crisis like this does is um, it forces us to change and adapt the other thing that I think is really important is that um, a lot of our community will be feeling abandoned at the moment that they might have been on a wait list for a knee replacement or a hip replacement or an arthroscope or a tendon repair or other forms of surgery might be for the spinal or, or, or other body parts. And I think the one message that I would give to that aspect of our community is that there is so much that high quality physiotherapy care can offer those people. Um, and we've seen it in the GLAD program where, you know, people who've gone, who, who are well-educated and have a graded live, um, activity program, manage their weight, can get significant pain reduction reduce their medication, get themselves active. And we've seen it with a number of trials now around the CFT approach um, that without hands-on therapy, you can um, coach someone uh, to understand their pain, get back to living again, and that can have huge benefits in terms of reducing their levels of pain and disability. So these, there are lots of opportunities that I think that can come from this um, crisis where people may feel like they've been denied one level of care that's more into like surgical interventions, but actually there's a whole other level of care they can access. And um, uh, we know now that the government has agreed to support um, 
telehealth for chronic musculoskeletal disorders uh, from Medicare rebates. And we know the health funds are also coming on board to support that. So actually as a profession, I think we have an amazing opportunity to reach a group of people we may not have reached otherwise because they're looking for a different kind of care that they haven't been able to access. Yeah. I think the cool thing is we're not limited by geography now uh, that we can provide this level of care to our wider community, to geographical areas, to people who may not have been able to get access to us um, through transportation barriers, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're sort of saying about people having a different option, I like um, a study that was done out of um, part of the GLAD program uh, in Denmark where they, they put people off a wait list for uh, people that were going to have knee replacements. Yeah. And uh, they gave them an exercise and an education and a weight loss sort of program, yeah. which is something that can be done through telehealth. And a year follow-up, 75% didn't actually end up having the knee replacement because they got to a stage where they, they improved so much from the, the education exercise. And, and at two years, it was 66% that still hadn't had the knee replacement. Yeah. Um, so it highlights a huge opportunity for people to have you know, alternative care. Absolutely. And look, I had a guy in... Um uh, just uh, last week, who um, we saw, I saw for the first time, and he'd been told he needs a shoulder replacement. Uh, I've set him up with a program, but, but his, his surgery was cancelled. Uh, and he came in really just as a checkout review, but this guy is going to do just fine. Um, he's fearful, he's guarded, he's protective. We got him up with the program. I'm reviewing his program later this week. Um, he, he's just avoided what I would say would be unnecessary surgery. And I think what we do know at the moment is there's a lot of um, unnecessary elective surgery. That's not acute surgery like fractures and, 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 and you know, acute medical problems. But um, a, a lot of people are being scanned and get told on the basis of, you know, a rotator cuff tear or some, um, some joint changes that they need joint replacement. And we know, be it knee, hip, shoulder, um, that or rotator cuff tears or labral tears to the hip, for example, meniscal tears to the knee, that, that good physiotherapy care that involves educating people, empowering them, getting them back in control of their health can have a massive benefit for those people, both in terms of symptom redu reduction, but also um, uh, just getting them back to living again and functioning and caring for their general health. And I think they are the, the messages that we want. This is not a fix. It's not a cure, but actually surgery isn't either. Um, uh, but, but it's actually a way in which we can support people who would feel maybe abandoned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A huge opportunity for us all to sort of work together. To, yeah, absolutely. Um, the best care for everyone out there. Uh, you yeah. mentioned CFT before. Now, obviously, you're a professor yeah. at um, Curtin University doing research there. But for the people that don't know what CFT is, can you briefly discuss that? Um, Look, it's, um, it's, it's called cognitive functional therapy, and it's, a, it's an approach of management for people with disabling musculoskeletal problems. There have been a number of studies that have looked at the application of this approach for the lower back, but we're also applying this to other body regions, like the hip and the knee. And essentially, um, the, the basis of this approach is similar to the things that we've talked about now. It's around understanding people's stories, understanding their beliefs, um, their fears, uh, their worries and concerns about their pain, uh, then exploring how they use their body in relation to their pain. And often what we see uh, when a person has pain for a period of time, tissue becomes very sensitive, 
they become very protective and guarded of that body region. They start, start not using it normally and it can set up a loop um, where you get ongoing sensitivity, protective guarding, disuse, disability and distress. So the cognitive functional approach is to get people to understand their, understand pain, gradually get them back to restoring their levels of function, kind of taking the protective, like the handbrake off the system um, uh, by not protecting the body. Uh, and that takes time. It's a graduated process of uh, restoration of movement, learning to relax the body, getting back strength and mobility and function and confidence back to the body to get back to living again. Um, and that takes about a three-month process of gradually coaching someone through that journey. Um, it can take anywhere between five and, well, it could be even as low as four for some of them, really uh, motivated at up to 10 sessions over a three-month period. And look, there are a number of studies now um, looking at people with disabling back pain uh, demonstrating larger benefits in terms of uh, pain reduction, uh, uh, and, but particularly improvements in, in function, certainly up to six months, um, uh, and functional improvements out to a number of years. And I think what it highlights is that coaching people for better health is a really great way of caring for people rather than creating a dependence on them to come back and see us again and again. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Pete. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. So there you have it, our very first episode of Empowered Beyond Pain. We hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it. My take-homes were improving pain has little to do with the specific effects of hands-on treatment and a lot to do with context, understanding, having strategies that help control your pain and a healthy lifestyle all of which can be coached through telehealth. It was also great to hear that 75% of people on a wait list for a joint replacement ended up declining it after an appropriate and evidence-based physiotherapy-led exercise and education intervention. That's amazing. We finish every episode with our To Try Today segment, which is designed to help you turn information into action. Because we think the best way to learn is to do. So for this episode, we invite you to visit the BodyLogic Conditions page and read up on the latest evidence-based information related to your condition. You might find information there that surprises you. Or get in touch with one of the team for a telehealth appointment to gain an even better understanding. If you like this episode and want to help more people, consider subscribing, rating and reviewing. Have questions or comments? Let us know via Twitter. And we'll also make sure we turn off email notifications next time. <laughs> Sorry about that. Video of this conversation is up on our YouTube and social media channels too, so feel free to check them out. And we've also posted links to relevant infographics and the articles discussed in this episode on the show notes page, which is www.bodylogic.physio forward slash podcast. There's also a heap of free resources for both patients and clinicians on the BodyLogic website. Next week on Empowered Beyond Pain, Professor Peter O'Sullivan interviews elite cricketer Baxter Holt and they discuss Baxter's expectations and experiences with physiotherapy delivered via telehealth. Later in the season, we have a few episodes discussing osteoarthritis, including an interview with a world-leading orthopaedic surgeon, and discuss the potential silver lining for thousands who have had their elective surgery cancelled following the coronavirus pandemic. Maybe they didn't need the surgery in the first place. But for now, stay sane, safe and healthy, and remember to ask, is there more to pain than damage?
please note, what you heard on this episode of Empowered Beyond Pain is strictly for information purposes only and does not substitute individualised care from a trusted and licensed health professional. If you would like individualised, high-value care for your pain, sports or pelvic health problem, head to the BodyLogic website and make an appointment. Theme music generously provided by Fervin and Cash. <laughs>